0: Of a small town, there was a big old pecan tree just inside the cemetery fence. One day, two boys filled up a bucket of nuts and sat down by the tree out of sight and began dividing the nuts. One for you, one for me, one for you, one for me, said the boy. Several dropped and rode down toward the fence. Another boy came riding along the road on his bicycle. As he passed, he thought he heard voices from inside the cemetery. He slowed down to investigate. Sure enough, he heard, one for you, one for me, one for you, one for me. It wasn't long there that he jumped back on his bike and rode off, and just around the bend, he met an old man with a cane. The old man was hobbling along. He said, come here quick, Said the boy, you won't believe what I heard. Satan and the Lord are down at the cemetery dividing up souls. The man said, beat it, kid. Can't you see? It's hard for me to walk. When the boy insisted, though, the man hobbled slowly to the cemetery. Standing by the fence, they heard, one for you, one for me. One for you, one for me. The old man whispered, boy, you've been telling me the truth. Let's see if we can see the Lord. Shaking with fear, they peered through the fence, yet still were unable to see anything. The old man and the boy gripped uh, the stone there and and the iron bars of the fence tighter and tighter as they tried to get a glimpse of the Lord. At last they heard, one for you, one for me. That's all. Now let's go get those nuts by the fence and we'll be done. They say the old man made it back to town in a full five minutes ahead of the kid. (laughs) Amen? Amen. Okay. One of the things I noticed after I became a Christian that sometimes it's a real battle and it's a real trial, isn't it? You go up and you go down, you go up and you go down a lot of times when you're first saved. Especially, you come from kind of a bad background. And uh, one day you have victory, next day you have defeat. And you just wonder to yourself, my goodness, does this ever get any better? Just seems like, you know, I'm going forward for God and all of a sudden I'm falling backwards. So, title of my message this morning is, Since Being Saved, What Spiritual Level of Maturity Are You? Since being saved, what spiritual level of maturity are you? 1 Corinthians 3, 1 and 2 says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. You're just staying on the milk. You can't go to meat yet. You're still a babe in Christ in the sense of your understanding. He says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not that your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates? Examine yourself. How have you progressed in your Christian life there? There's a couple of things I want to mention. First of all is our salvation. Okay, that's important. 2 Thessalonians 2.13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through the setting apart sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth whereunto he called you by our gospel, our gospel, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that level right there of people believing that they were sinners, couldn't save themselves, but they understand Christ died for their sins, was buried and rose again, there are many people who believe that truth in their hearts and they become children of God but they remain at that level most of their life. They're just satisfied. Oh, I know I'm saved, going to heaven. They love the Lord in that sense, but that's as far as they get, as far as their maturity in the Lord. Then there's our sanctification. It states in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, for this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God. Now get this. Which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Here we have Christians that allow the word of God to begin to change their lives. Chapter 4, verse 1 says this. Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God so you would abound more and more. God wants to bless you more and more, but that's determined by your walk and how you progress more and more. He's got a lot of things he wants to share with you more and more. Verse 4 says this here, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel, his body, in separation or sanctification and honor. The one who called you to be saved, he's holy. Now he wants each believer to be holy themselves. And you can't be holy only as you follow the Lord. I mean, you can't be holy if you're not following Him. That's an impossibility. Amen? The only way to continue to have a lifestyle that pleases God, there has to be growth. There has to be maturity. There has to be advancement in knowledge, in obedience to God's Word. It's our daily life in our relationship with Him. It's our prayer life. It's our in-the-word life. It's our obedient life. It's where we make God our priority over all the other areas of our life. In other words, God says, listen, if you want to mature, I have to be first. Is he first in your life? In all the areas of your life? Is he first in our lives? Growth is all about each day pressing to put off the old sinful habits and put on the new godly habits. Those habits that God desires that we have. I've used these verses many times, Ephesians 4, 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation behavior, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's where the word comes in that you put on the new man, which is after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. When you get saved, a process begins of you putting off the things that are wrong, not the good things, but the things that are wrong, and you begin to put on the things that are right. That's what God wants from you. He wants that from me. And after becoming a believer, God wants us In reality, God commands us to grow so that we can change into a higher level spiritually in our walk with Christ. Because it's when I'm walking at a higher level, I begin to realize in my own life that those ups and downs, those downs became fewer and fewer. I begin to realize I can have victory in my life because I had improved in my relationship with Christ. Does that make sense? That's what God wants us all to do. Our walk, our growth, that is our sanctification, our setting apart unto God, which means to be set apart unto His holiness, to be set apart unto His ways. And I tell you from personal experience, you don't get all of that at one time. <laughs> it's a process. A little here, a little there, more here, more there. And it's a process that we go through. Now, our position, it's immediate. Uh, Hebrews 10.10 says this here. By which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once we're in Christ, that position... Is set, it can never change. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I'm in a new position now. No longer am I an Adam, now I'm in Christ. So that's immediate, the moment you believe in the gospel. But then there's our practice. That's a daily progression. Philippians 2, 12, 13. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. There is a daily progression. It's Christ in us working in us to become more like him. But then there's our prospect, its completion, Philippians 3.20. For our behavior, conversation, citizenship even, is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. And so... All I'm saying is, is that our position, our practice, and our prospect, our position is we are in Christ. Our practice is Christ is in us. And our prospect is we will be with Christ one day forever. What a hope that we have. Our growth, our maturity happens when we allow the Word of God through the Spirit of God to work within us. God works from the inside out. He works in us to affect our lifestyle. And our lifestyle is the evidence to what degree God has been allowed to work inside of us. Amen? You know, you can take water and pour it on your flesh, on your skin. And you will... Absorb hardly any water into your body. That's why you can go swimming. You can do a number of things, right? But you can have water inside you, and it comes out of you, (laughs) rather through your kidneys (laughs) or rather through sweat. It can come out from within us to the outside. God's developing us happens in our mind, in our heart, and soul. It's through the Word of God, the Spirit of God working in us. God's working in us, and His goal is very simple. Romans 8, 29. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. That's what He's trying to do with you and with me who have been saved. He's trying to make us more like Jesus Christ, Amen. He wants us to reflect Christ, and I can't reflect Christ outwardly if I'm not allowing Him to do that within me. That's an impossibility. Galatians four nineteen says this here: "My little children, of whom I travail in birth again, until Christ be formed where? In you." So you can reflect that, then, in your life or your behavior. God's developing us. We're the clay. He's the potter. He's the sculptor. He's the one working to mold us, to make us, to bend us, to chisel us, to hammer us, to break us. And there are some times in our life that we say, wait a minute, God. What in the world are you doing to me? Uh, you ever been there? God, why are you doing this inside of me? It hurts. <laughs> you know, he's chiseling, chiseling away the bad parts. Thank God he doesn't ch- chisel away all the bad parts all at once or we wouldn't be left. <laughs> Amen? Amen. That'll hit you in a little bit, I promise you, okay? He's making us to be more like Christ so we can reflect, so we can demonstrate that our God is real. And when our God is real in our life, that's when we're most effective to be used by God to those people that don't have any hope at all. It states in 1 Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. You see, some way they need to see that hope in you and you show that you have a hope that you're different is when you're living for Christ and allowing Him to live in you. That's what God wants from us. Now, here's the problem. Most believers just think that growth will happen. It just comes automatically. They think, well, you know, I'm going to be a strong Christian, so what I'm going to do, I'm just going to go to church on Sundays, and I'm going to rely on other people and uh, the church and the pastor and some of my friends to help me to grow in the Lord. Let me just say this to you. First of all, the fact, the church itself, we can be of help. That's true. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the way. That's important. I understand that. But just remember this, the church itself cannot make you totally mature and spiritually mature. 1 Timothy 4.7 says this here, but refuse profane and old wise fables, now get this, and exercise thyself rather unto ungodliness. That verse shows us that we're responsible, we're accountable ourselves for our own spiritual growth. Amen? It's not somebody else's job. That is my responsibility. And it's time to come to the conclusion, the decision that there's, we're not going to make any more excuses. Amen? I got this thing turning on me and everything. There I go. It's time that we stop making excuses for not being strong in our faith, not mature in the faith or our beliefs. You ought to know what you are to believe and why you believe those things. You ought to know there is a difference between God working with Israel and God working with the body of Christ. You ought to know that the 12 apostles are not our apostles. We have one apostle. His name is Paul. Paul has a different message. The gospel of grace, the body of Christ. We're saved by grace through the finished work of Christ and we're going to heaven one day. We have nothing to do with Israel. You need to know that. Are you mature in that? Can you share that with other people? That's our responsibility to be able to come to that truth and exercise ourselves. No more excuses. Some people say, well, I'm just so busy, my problems are consuming me. Well, what do you think God's there for? He wants to help you. (laughs) Amen? Some people, well, Sundays are my only day of rest. And so they think, well, I don't grow because I have to rest one day on Sunday. Well, understand something. Growing and maturing in Christ is not a one-day option. It's a Monday through Sunday deal. It's every day of our life deal. That's how we grow in the Lord. Some people say, well, I, I, I have to put food on the table, so I have to work on Sundays. And let me just say, what about priorities? What about trusting God? Hello? I remember that Carol and I, we were students at Temple. I did a little concrete work on the side. She got the job that she'd always wanted in employment at a bank. She got the job, and our house was chaotic because of leaving early, coming in at supper time, and then having to do so much and everything. We sat down, and we wrote down the things that were positive and negative. The positive things were material things. The negative things were our relationship with God, the upkeep of our family, our responsibilities there. And not having anything, I told Carol to quit her job. She quit her job. We made it through school, tough, but we made it through school. And When I left, I didn't know a dime. I'm telling you something, if you trust God, even with your priorities, it does not make sense to you, God comes through for you when you put him first. I believe that with all my heart. Some people say, well, uh, I'm not able to understand the Bible. Well, why don't you read it every now and then? It might help a little bit. (laughs) Hey, you know, you can go to a job, you can go, you, uh, you know, uh, computers, and you can do your phone. Oh, Lord, help it. You can do just about anything from your phone. You can do all those things, but you can't. God so loved the world <laughs> or whatever. You can't learn the Bible. I believe that you can. Some people say, well, I just can't read very well. I don't like to read. Well, don't miss this next point. It's not about what we want. And it's not about what we like. To grow is our responsibility. Amen? It's our responsibility, but also our joy. You know, you look back and you listen to people Dave. the worldview, and you see all these things, and you look back on the journey you've been, you say, thank God I don't have that worldview anymore. Thank God I have more of a biblical viewpoint about life. It wouldn't have happened, though, if back there we didn't start disciplining ourselves and trying to learn what God has to say in his word. It's impossible to grow and mature in the Lord unless we are in God's word, that we are consistent in our talking with him, the application of his word to our lives. We are responsible ourselves for that. And it's unlikely for God to favor our life when we try to handle our needs, our problems, our heartbreaks, our marriages, our homes in our own strength. When I try to handle things in my own strength, that's when I'm disobedient to God because he's available and wants to help me and strengthen me to do what's correct and right. And I'm displeasing God when I'm relying in my own strength. And when I rely on my own strength, I will not have growth in my life. 2 Peter 1.3, according as his divine power, I get this, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge. Where do you get the knowledge? The word of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. And then in verse 5, I think I have, and Beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. And that's all I'm saying. When you become a Christian, you need to add to your faith now. Your faith in salvation, now you need to learn the faith so you can have personal faith. That's what God wants from you and me. 2 Timothy 2.15, study. That's not, well, if you like to, that's kind of a command there. Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Jude, verse 20 and 21, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, or led by the Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord, and so on. It's our responsibility to keep the love of God flowing inside of our hearts and inside of our lives. Understand, it's time that we take responsibility, myself for myself, and it's only then that my faith becomes activated. It's only then that my faith is a true faith in my relationship with God. Only then, when I'm growing, does my faith become real and exciting. Only then does our faith cease to be a religion, a form, a ritual, boring, hit-miss. and I used to come sit on church, listen to a dull preacher. I know what it means. I said, golly, that thing must have stopped or something. Is about done? I've been there. Boring, but it's when I became involved in my own personal life that when I was in Ohio, I'll never forget, we had this big old guy and he was the preacher and he was boring and he would speak, but I hung on every word because I was personally involved in my own growth and it made him come alive. And perhaps the reason I'm boring to a lot of you, maybe he's not alive in your life. Amen, Jim. Amen. That was good stuff right there. (laughs) Only when I'm truly involved in my faith will I ever grow and mature. This past year has been rough. COVID, everything that's going on, and... Me, I'm kind of ADD in some ways. And all of a sudden, I've been shoved into pause. Can't do this, can't do that, can't have that program, can't go there, can't visit there. And on and on it goes, and it has really set me back in a sense of getting excited and involved the way I want to. It's been a real test The Lord says he'll give us patience. I haven't learned yet, so pray for me, okay? But let me just say this. It's only when I'm growing, maturing, only then when our life is shaken, our foundation will hold up. Only then when our storms rage, our faith will not come apart. Only then when others want answers and hope, do we have influence with credibility. Only then, when the enemy attacks, our courage will prevail. Only then, when death surrounds us, our comfort in God takes over. Only then, when decisions need to be made, our counselor is there waiting. Only then, when our flesh causes a failure, his grace lifts us up. I'm grateful for grace. I don't know about you. But grace picks us back up and says, now get back in the race. Only then, when I'm growing, maturing, when false teaching comes, our knowledge of God's word that we've studied holds us to the truth. Ephesians 4.14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is ahead even Christ. Amen? I'm about done, so hang on. Only when I'm growing in that, when God calls for surrender, will our love for Christ yield our all. Amen? 1 Corinthians 6.20, you know it well. For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We don't even own ourselves; He owns us. It states in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. All the things that we go through, the battles, the long hours, the unceasing prayers, the satanic attacks, all these things, the sacrifices that we make and... uh, living for Christ, and even having to give up some friends because we want to go all the way with Christ. And all these things have helped us, should have helped us to grow and to mature. And I promise you, one day, it will be worth it all. Amen? This is an old, true story, but old story. You've heard it multiple times but it fits here. I think sometimes Christians, they think, but it's so hard to not do what I want to do. Of course it is. But I've laid my life aside. Let's do what Christ wants us to do. And the more you do that, the more excited you get about that. <laughs> oh, I guess I'm going to have to read the Bible <laughs> and pray and go to church. God would... God, why? (laughs) What a mess. (laughs) Amen. But when you're growing, you're maturing, you say, God, you see something in your word, man, this is great. Hey, let's go to church. I want to say so and so. And you fellowship. There's a difference when you're involved in your relationship with God and you're growing and you're maturing. Stick by the stuff. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And he's not, what? He won't forget your labor. It won't be in vain. God promises us that. The old days, a missionary, doctor in Africa, you've heard this, but it's good here, lost his wife to fever, his son to a lying attack, and his daughter to jungle fever. He was all alone. He boarded the ship to sail home to the states. Upon arriving in San Francisco, as he's ready to deport, all of a sudden, he saw a red carpet being pulled down the walkway. Then a huge band began to play. On board was a special guest, the president of the United States, Teddy Roosevelt. Lots of cheers, fanfare, Welcome home! As the president waved and walked to the land, they immediately then rode up the red carpet, and the board—I'm uh, sorry and the band stopped playing. Then it was okay for the rest of the other passengers to also leave the ship. This faithful missionary left the ship alone, no band, no cheering, no welcome home. That night in his hotel room next to his bed he knelt down as he always did to say goodnight to the Lord and he said this Lord I don't understand my wife and two children that I love so much their bodies are buried in the soil of Africa I lost so much yet there was not One person there for my arrival. No fanfare. No welcome home. No we love you. No we're proud of your faithfulness and your maturity of your testimony. No sorrow in there about my loss. I just don't understand. And it's as if the Lord pricked his heart and reminded him, you're not home yet. Amen. Amen. In this journey, it's a journey. And it's a crazy journey at times. And it's a battle because we're in a warfare. And we have our ups, we have our downs. But keep growing in the Lord. And He'll help you not only when you're on the mountaintop, but when you're in the valleys. He'll be there for you. When Paul died, Peggy was singing to him about the Lord. God gives you the strength and the grace to handle anything that is sent your way if you're growing, maturing because you have a good relationship with him. Father, we love you. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for salvation. We thank you. That's not the end of it. It's just the beginning. God, help us to have a walk that's pleasing to you. May we stay by the stuff. May we never waver. In Jesus' name. We hope that you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you to visit us in person. You can watch us live and view past services on our website at gpnd.net. For more information, please visit our website or contact us by phone. Until next week, may God richly bless you as our prayer.